Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good. Good to be back on the show. It's been yeah. so long. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been about seven days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, nice fall day. Yeah, beautiful. And, you know, everything's good in the world. Is this so. the first day of fall or was yesterday the first day of fall? Because you know, people say the, the fall equinox or whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But happy, it is, but it is, it, is, it is officially fall. Happy fall. Um, yeah, we, we were we were talking about last week. Good, a good season. Good season, yes. So happy to be here. Um, yeah, how are how are things going in the the life of Father Eli? Good. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm enjoying life right now. It's been it's been good. These all all in all, things are good. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Th- think things are kind of getting settled into the. The routine. Excuse me. Clicking along. Yeah, like the routine and a couple of weeks of faith formation. Mm-hmm. School started. Yeah, all that stuff. So it's amazing how quickly it happens. You kind of go from like summer, like dreading, like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is coming. And now we're kind of in the middle of it. And it's like, you know, it's good. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um. Well, yeah, there's not, Um. well, there's a lot going on, but nothing like big to really talk about. A couple Things that are on the horizon is one intro to Catholicism, our RCIA um, program. We'll be starting in October, and I don't have the exact date, but is it like it's like the the twelfth? Okay, so October twelfth is a Tuesday. We'll be meeting again on Tuesdays this year, six thirty to eight, and kind of same kind of drill. We're gonna do Father Rich, myself, the sisters are gonna teach, and uh, so talk to your friends or if you want to learn more as a catholic you can come but it's uh this is the way that we bring people into the church but it's also uh, we've just kind of decided like anybody's welcome to come and learn about the faith so yeah and i've i've heard multiple people in the last week telling me how great of an experience that it has been yeah from people who became catholic through it and just people who have been catholic their whole lives and went to it so yeah so yeah good stuff there it's fun uh, there, uh, the clergy conference. Clergy conference up? come up. Yeah, so first full week in October, um, October fourth through the seventh. Um, we're it's just going to be the active priests this year, which normally is all the clergy, so the deacons, the retired priests. But it'll be a smaller group uh, because of COVID. Um, so it'll be interesting. We're going up to, I forget somewhere up on the range. Well. Uh, What's that Giants Ridge? It's something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They must have a resort or something or a place to stay. It sounds familiar. I so don't know. Yeah. anyway, we're going up that way. Um, so no mass those days. We won't have uh, mass in the parishes that those days. So that uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be gone. So no masses either at St. Lawrence or Holy Family. Um, there was something else. Catechesis. Like a uh, yep. Yep, yep, that was the, the, the thing. Yeah, so yeah. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd will be starting this upcoming week? I believe so. Don't quote me on that. They had the parent meeting last night, and I wasn't okay. part of that part. But uh, they, they, I think that's what they were saying is we're going to start next week. So I think they're doing a Monday time and a Wednesday time, I think. Uh, again, maybe things have changed. There's been a lot of things that have been kind of 
wiggling around trying to get it all set. So, but um, so catechesis for the Good Shepherd, if you're not familiar, it's a Montessori way of teaching, uh, which just means like you kind of guide the, a meditation or guide a, a, a some topic, and you let the children kind of explore it and understand it, um, kind of from asking questions and playing a little bit, kind of like they they make believe and use their imagination to kind of enter into a scene or or something. So, um, but this is for younger kids. So I think as young as three, maybe more four or five, six-year-olds. So anybody that's not in uh, first communion preparation class, anybody that's younger than, than that could potentially be in this catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So there were quite a few parents there last night. Um, I know they have Ideally, a smaller group is better, but we'll see what they, they get. So I know they had, uh, they were hoping to have two sections. So, Yeah, I don't, I don't totally know how it works, but I've heard good things from like other people who have gone through it or yeah, yeah. know about it. So All I've ever heard is like amazing stuff. Like, oh, it's great. It teaches the kids like about the mass and they understand like things on a deeper level. And um, so I'm excited to see what happens. I think... Uh, the sisters have been trained in this, and there's a few other people that have taught Montessori style or are trained in it. So, this should be should be a good time. So, yeah, yeah. cool, cool. Um, well, before we kind of get into today's main topic, Father, would you open us with a prayer? Sure. By the Son and Holy Spirit, Lord, we come before you. We offer you uh, parishioners, um, especially any who are struggling in any way, anybody who's sick, anybody who's um, having maybe to make a big decision, a life decision right now, we lift them up in prayer and we ask that you would guide them and be with them. And we pray, ask in our mother's intercession, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Padre Pio, pray, pray for, for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. This be day today. So, um, quick story about Padre Pio. Padre Pio story. Uh, when I was in, when I lived in Denver, there was a church somewhat close to like where I was and they had the Padre Pio relics. Ooh. And it was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like one of those like random, just like occurrence things. Cause me and one of my friends we were like, just kind of getting into like a, uh, we were like reading a little like Padre Pio book and we we're mm-hmm. kind of like getting really into Padre Pio for yeah. like did you know. start like wearing like a brown robe and stuff? Like, fake <laughs> no. beard? No, no. Uh, I, I never did that. I, ne- <laughs> I never got got that far into it. But it, but it was it was kind of just like one of those like crazy, uh, like I couldn't have, couldn't have planned it out better. Yeah. Where we were like uh. going through or like learning a lot about about him and kind of getting into him, and then like there he is like a bunch like a bunch of like his relics. Were they on like tour, or were they just? Yeah, yeah, they were like on tour. So Padre Pio was just making his tour through the states, and was was did they have his body? Because I know his body was. I don't think no, it, it wasn't his body, but it was like one of his like gloves because oh, he, yeah. he had uh, the stigmata, the yeah. stigmata, and so he would like wear gloves all the time because mm-hmm. his hands would you know bleed mm-hmm. from the stigmata. So uh, how annoying! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had like that, and then I think like part of like what his robe mm-hmm. and. Um, just like a couple of things, I was like, so, "Wow, this is kind of crazy." Yeah, I actually went to. So he is in San Giovanni Rotondo, which is in southern Italy. That's where he he lived as a priest. So I actually went down there when I was in seminary, and they exhumed his body 
at some point not too long ago and they have him in a glass box and he looks like he's just sleeping on the table there yeah yeah because he's in incorrupt yeah. incorrupt yeah, yeah. um so. which that's that is crazy yeah. to like when you like see that and be like this guy's been dead for hundreds of years not or right i mean it's, it's a not, long time not him but um oh, but, other people yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah just just like seeing that the though. incorruptibles yeah yeah because i've seen like St. Francis Xavier's hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just weird because it's just like a hand in a box. I'm like, we are so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Catholics are. Jesu, yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Um, but just seeing that is mm-hmm. kind of nuts. Um. Well, yeah. So today uh, we're going to be talking about just kind of like. Smorgasbord. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a bunch of random things. But um, I guess Somewhat connected. they're. They're connected, but but kind of like, what do we do as just like a church and as like as just Christians as Catholics when things like don't really go as planned or don't go like as we want them to? Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of kind of this kind of conversation comes out of the news, which is now kind of a couple weeks old, but that um, we had a priest from our diocese uh, leave active ministry, right. um, and it's just it's it's one of those uh, one of those moments where it just uh, it's just kind of like a. It, Probably just like kind of like hurts, kind of like for for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, oh, like this isn't this isn't how it's supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, where we um, can see, yeah, just sometimes how like our the 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 human side of the church is like, oh, this isn't this isn't the way that we all envisioned it when we started. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it, you know, th- th- this was something that. You know, praise God, I wasn't from like a a place of like abuse or anything, mm-hmm. but it's just this priest decided that he's no longer um, like able to do active ministry, and so uh, Bishop Felton like kind of agreed with him and uh, uh, like took away his like uh, his faculties, faculties mm-hmm. which basically, from my understanding, is just like his um, ability to practice as a priest, kind of in a way that like. A doctor has, you know, can take away their, their license. like li- license, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like that to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, so yeah. So I don't know if you want to kind of add some context sure. or see. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, this particular priest. Uh, his name was Father Drew. Now we're now we're supposed to call him Drew. So it's a little funny for me because, uh, but it, it, you got to adjust, I guess. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know all the particulars of his situation. Um, but he came to the decision that he didn't think he could continue. Um, and so he had asked, you know, permission to be basically, uh, let go of the, the responsibilities of the priesthood basically. And, um, there's a, there's the first step of this would probably be like what is basically happening now where he's stepping away from active ministry. And then there's a more formal canonical process, which you basically apply to be um, laicized is the technical term, where basically you're you no longer have to uh, you're no longer obliged to fulfill the priestly duties of offering uh, mass and um, you know praying the divine office and uh, even living the, the celibate life and all that. So there are, there are um, different reasons somebody might apply for laicization. Uh, but basically what that process does is it's a canonical process by which the church formally says you no longer have to uh, 
uphold those promises that you made as a as a priest when you're ordained. So um, technically, you're still ordained because that's a mark on your soul. So something you can't ever remove, but you're no longer obliged to that. And so it's a serious thing. It's a it's an important uh, decision when it comes to it, and it's not something that the church says, "Oh yeah, not a big deal. If you want to do this, go ahead." But it's through discernment for whatever reason. Um, we've come to recognize that maybe it's better for this guy that he doesn't continue as a priest serving in active ministry. So, um, so that's it's definitely not an ideal thing. You don't want your priests to go through that. You don't want to see that happen because it's like we need our priests. We need men to serve, um, and it's many years of service to, or you know, getting somebody prepared to serve a ministry. Sometimes up to eight or more years. Uh, so. You know, it's it's a sad thing when a guy leaves, but sometimes it's better for them and better for the church because you don't want someone serving active active ministry kind of begrudgingly and like oh like this is a I I hate this or um you know because that's not going to bring a lot of life to a parish or to parishioners if yeah. if the priest is not happy and uh, willingly laying down his life just just as we look sometimes at at marriage and sometimes we say well. For various reasons, sometimes marriages break apart, and there's divorce, and uh, or even just separation. And sometimes um, it's better that way. It's not ideal. It's not what we would envision. It's not what we'd hoped for, but it happens. Um, and I, you know, I want to be careful because, uh, you know, if, if Drew were to listen to this, I wouldn't want him to feel like we're condemning him or anything like that. But it's just we're just talking about a reality that these things happen. Um, my First spiritual director as a priest was Father Eric Hastings, who is now just Eric Hastings. He he left the priesthood. Hope it wasn't my fault. I don't know. No. <laughs> um, but you know, different things happen. Different things arise in someone's life, and we can't always foresee that. Or um, yeah, so it's kind of a a challenging thing. And sometimes we don't talk about like what does this mean for parishioners, or what does this mean for people when they experience like. I have a friend who is a priest, and now he's no longer a priest. Like, what does that mean, and how do I talk about that, and is it okay to talk about it? And so, I, th- I don't know. I just think sometimes people don't know what to do in the face of that. Like, how do I respond to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's something that, uh, yeah, because it's, it's, not, it's not the way that we, like, uh, want it to be, maybe, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. like, or expect it to be expect it to be um but but yeah there's that side of just like human humanness right that like that's a reality that uh things like this happen and that nothing like nobody's life is perfect and we all have the struggles that we go through mm-hmm. and uh, and and so it's to to a certain sense like okay well how do we like how do we deal with this mm-hmm. like with um and how do we, or how does the church like tell a, or give us like guidance on on how to deal with it and stuff? Mm-hmm. Because, because yeah, whether it's you know somebody leaving a vocation, or like a divorce or anything like that, mm-hmm. those are things that, from the kind of perfect from the ideal situation in the church, those won't happen. Right. 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 Uh, in a perfect world, these these wouldn't be things that we experience, but we live in a broken world, and so we do experience them. And so 
the fact that the church has a formal way of dealing with divorce, the fact that the church has a formal way of dealing with guys who leave active ministry, doesn't mean that we're saying like, yeah, that's not a big deal, or that's we kind of planned that that's going to happen. It's more like this has happened. How do we how do we make a process for this for these people? How do we care for these people and for the people of God? You know, how do we provide under these imperfect cir- circumstances? Like, what do we do? And so the church has over the years developed ways of addressing that. You know, we have the um, laicization process. We have the annulment process. We have these things by which we um, attempt to to address an imperfect situation. Are these solutions perfect? No, they're not. You know, they're they're very difficult. Like uh, the annulment process is is a challenging process. Uh, the laicization process is, is challenging. There, um, the uh, oftentimes the way that somebody goes through those processes is 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 not comfortable. It's not nice, but it's something that they feel they need to do. And so um, life is messy and it's like sometimes you just got to find a way through it and not always is there a clear um, path or a clear category for, for my situation. And people are looking at their situation going, I don't know how to make through my way through this. Or in the, in the case of a public person like a priest, when he leaves active ministry, sometimes the parish feels like, we don't. We've never had this before. We don't know what to do. Or, I mean, I think here at St. Lawrence there was a priest. I always hear stories from older people. He left with the secretary who was a nun or something like that. So, like these things happen, and it's not ideal. But we don't just like close our eyes and say that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I'm not going to think about it. It's like now that it's happened, what do we do in the face yeah. of this? So, yeah, and how, like, how do you think or? Like if people come to you like with this, because you're probably the people that people like if somebody has an issue mm-hmm. with this, you probably get a lot of those yeah. um, or more more than me for sure, sure <laughs> or sure. just probably the, the average person. But like, how do you kind of like talk through that with people and like help people like process it? Because especially if, if it's um maybe just like a divorce, maybe, maybe that's maybe just. I don't know about the easiest example, but like most common, most common of, of like helping people like process through that because, um, cause like, I I mean, I've heard stories of people like when they do go through a divorce, whether, you know, which there could be a ton of different reasons for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of like you said, like the normal process, like, isn't like perfect. (laughs) And, um, it can like can be messy itself mm-hmm. and so people can feel like kind of put away like from the church and 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 because like t- like technically when you look at just divorce from the what the church says it's that like like that is a sin yeah right well it's or di- i guess di- di- divorce is we don't believe in divorce basically sure sure so yeah so we when i guess when somebody is divorced civilly like okay now how do we deal with this as yeah. as a church and yeah. so um you know, you know some people will ask can i go to communion after i've been divorced like yeah you can go to communion when, once you're divorced that's as long as you're all the other stuff is in line i'm uh, i'm living in a city of grace you know the question is how about now that i'm divorced and remarried and then it's like well no now you can't because yeah you're in a different you've you're living 
a spousal relationship with somebody that you're not married to in the church because that's always the, the tricky part is, okay, you did you get an annulment? If you didn't get an annulment, then you're still married. The church only does an annulments for those who are divorced. And the question is, we're not looking to d- divorce the marriage. We're basically looking at what was absent from the marriage that we could say point to and say, actually, there was something that was missing from the beginning. And that's why it was never a marriage. So it's a, it's a different question than just a divorce, but it's complicated. So it's very painful for people because a lot of times the process of a, an annulment or even laicization doesn't necessarily follow the emotional process that people go through or the experiential process that people go through. So typically what happens when people divorce is they separate for a while and then they go through the divorce process. Um, and a lot of times while they're in the midst of that, and maybe even before, because sometimes the cause of divorce is that there is an infidelity in the marriage. Not always, but a lot of times there's something of that nature um, at work. So sometimes what happens is people start getting involved emotionally with another person even before they're divorced or even before they've received their annulment. So that complicates the process. So yeah, it's a very... The experience of going through this does not go along with the paperwork that needs to be done yeah, and, and, and all that. It, it could be like, I could see it very easily becoming like isolating mm-hmm. or feeling like, oh, I'm not... I'm not supported. I'm in, not supported mm-hmm. like from the church or... Yeah. Just like from my like local church or community, or like I'm like I'm different or set apart yeah. in maybe like a negative yeah. way. And it, and it's the right. challenge is right when that person needs the church most, they feel distance from the church because they're they're no longer included in the sacraments. Now, we always have to say, well, you made the choice to get emotionally involved to this other person, right? So that's from the church's perspective. It's like we 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 take you at your word that you got married. Now you, you want us to look at whether your marriage was real or true or if there was something missing, and we want to do that for you. But until that process is done, you really shouldn't be getting involved with another person. Now, does that always happen? No. Let's just be honest. Like, that's that's not always the, the case. But that's what the church is trying to do is to help this person not not get kind of mixed up in a bunch of things out of order, but to kind of bring order to their life. And so sometimes... Going through the annulment process, what it's supposed to do is help that person understand what happened, what went wrong in my marriage, why was there, why did it fall apart, and try to process that. Because sometimes, if we never heal from the wounds that we've experienced in that fallen, broken relationship, we go into the next relationship, and I see this all the time, broken, wounded, and so we bring all that stuff right in, and because we're so wounded, we're we're so much looking for. Uh, we want to connect with another person on that level, but we bring a lot of woundedness there. And so a lot of times either we connect to the a different kind of person that we, if we were in a healthy place, we would never connect to that person. We would not seek that person out. That's not the kind of person I would marry. But because I'm broken, because I'm needy, because I'm hurting, I am kind of blind to certain aspects of this person. And so I get involved either physically or emotionally and... So I get to this place where now I want to get married to this other person, but I haven't even processed my other marriage. So it gets really complicated. I don't want to make it too complicated, but it it, yeah. it can get really nasty and, and difficult. And a lot of times what happens is people just get frustrated with the whole thing and they say, I can't deal with this right now. 
and they turn away from the church, they t- turn away from the process, sadly, uh, until they've had more time to kind of deal with it. And so it's a very sensitive thing when you're walking with somebody. Um, you know, the laicization process is a little bit simpler in in some sense because you're only dealing with one person, right? Just, yeah. just the priest. Uh, you're not dealing with a spouse or something like that that needs to cooperate or you have to kind of prove things. You're only looking at this one person, not two people. So, um, but it just goes to show there is a process, but it doesn't always it doesn't always feel like a nice process because there's mm-hmm. so much involved emotionally, experientially in a person's life when they're making these kinds of decisions. And um, yeah, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the church wants to be with those people and help them and accompany them, but sometimes it's very difficult because they're just not in a good place to receive. And so maybe that's something where the church can really work on how do we help this person uh, go through this process in a better way. I think one of the challenges is um, you're supposed to work with your parish priest when you go through this process of uh, annulment, and not a lot of parish priests are trained in how to do that or what how, how that mm-hmm. even works. Or and, and then there's the other side of like, well, I just don't have time, or I I don't know I don't know this person, and so you really have to get to know the person, understand their story, and have conversations with them and really walk with them for it to be helpful for them. And a lot of times, parish priests, unfortunately, sometimes we just look at it as more work, paperwork, and we try to fill it out as paperwork and just get it done versus like really processing with that person. Um, That's something I've definitely learned a lot about since being a priest, like the people I've worked with. And it's a great sorrow sometimes, but also a great joy when, when you're able to help them get order back in their life and 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 bring some clarity about even what happened in their past and help them bring healing it's a it's a beautiful thing but it's also very painful to walk with with somebody so personally for me it's uh it can be very challenging because you when you're work, working with somebody you know that there's going to be things that you have to talk to them about that they are going to be uncomfortable with or maybe they haven't considered or they don't want to deal with right now and so it's it's a very um, I don't know. It's just something you have to be so gentle and yet firm in the same way of like we need to do this. This is the way we. This is how the process works, and um, it's not always easy to to get the person to accept that. So, um, yeah, challenging. Yeah, yeah. Probably like a an aspect too of just like having patience and being like like. Uh, like I don't know how much you can uh, expect people like right away just to like come to terms yeah. or like yeah. to they're not going to just be logical right away and just say ah oh, yes this is the process I will go I will do the process it's like they're coming at it from their emotional experience and so it's like how does that connect how do we fit these things together uh, and really help this person process rather than just sign here, write this, answer these questions. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oftentimes it feels like a hoop to jump through and for something they may not even be ready to really want, you know. So, yeah, there's, it's, uh, humanity is messy, is, <laughs> as, yeah. as, as we learn through these experiences. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess 
going back to um, what do we do when our priest leaves or something like that, or or even if, you know, God forbid, if, if we have a priest that is accused of something or, or is proven guilty of something, like, that can be a really hard thing for a parish. I think sometimes par- parishioners feel responsible or, or they feel shame or they feel guilt or they feel... Um, maybe even have own, their own crisis of faith. Here's our spiritual leader, and he's gone and messed up, or he's left the priesthood, or he's gone away for help, or whatever. And we can feel a certain level of like it can affect the parishioners, I guess. And so that's something the church tries to address, but to some degree, it's like, well, we can't save them from this. This this is something they're going to have to go through. Um, I know. Here in Duluth, St. Ben's, when Father Eric left, I don't know exactly how that was for them, but I think that was a challenging time for that parish. Um, I imagine right now is a challenging time for Cross Lake and Emily. Um, anytime a pastor goes away or s- struggles or f- fails in some way, whether it's morally or just has a breakdown or whatever, it's going to affect the parish. And um, But I think in that we... We can, we can put our faith too much in the priest himself rather than what he represents. Um, and so in all of these situations, whether it's a priest or a divorce or an almond process, whatever, we always have to remember that our faith is in God, not in this person. Uh, and there's always a pathway forward. There's always a way, way in which we can come to know God through this experience in a deeper way. And I think that is part of bringing hope and bringing uh, awareness of, of that is important, that we know that God works even in baffling or difficult or challenging situations. To hold on to that is important. And I think, um, you know, we could even talk about when somebody has a child out of wedlock or something like that, or somebody's not able to have a child, or uh a spouse dies, or, I mean, you can look at all these difficult mm-hmm. situations and, like, I never imagined I would be in this situation, but here I am. Uh, I never thought it would be me. I've heard of other people do, dealing in this situation. I just never thought I would be there. And so how does the church walk with these people? How does the church, uh, as a, for- a formal, as, like, institutional church and a community of believers, how do we, how do we help people who go through these difficult situations and not to just be saying, oh, you you are not up to snuff or you... Yeah, you, you screwed up, you're out, give us your membership card. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, because... Like, you can sit on the sinner's bench over there, but... <laughs> yeah, and I... Because I, like, I think people do feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's just how they like their impression of the church and maybe sometimes people in the church yeah tell like tell them that yeah you know yeah um that's probably both ways yeah and i've I've heard people not directly but indirectly i've heard from people that have said like oh i had a friend or i myself or whatever was in church and somebody somebody says to them something like why are you here you, sh- you shouldn't be here because because of what they've done or something that's public about them that is people are aware of that maybe is sinful or or whatever you know and it's like mm-hmm. hey 
that is not the response that we should be getting in churches. Like, why are you here? Yeah. You know, what you don't belong here. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, we we don't always perfectly emulate Christ to one another, but that's what the church should strive for. And um, so it's it's a challenge, you know. And there there is certain things that I think people are more embarrassed about, or or whatever, or more fearful about being judged about, or or whatever. And I whatever those things are for individuals or as a society that we kind of point to is like, oh, this is a worse sin or this is a greater cause for shame or whatever. You know, we need God. That's why we come to church. If we didn't, I mean, was it just yesterday? Jesus, I, I came to call sinners, not the righteous. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was two days ago. But um, So there's that, there's that reality that we have to be, Remembering that, that that's why the church exists, is to be here for those people who are struggling or who have sinned or who have even publicly sinned in a way. Um, the, the question always becomes, the, the question always is, is this person repentant? Are they wanting to be in union with the church? Because uh, that's a different question. And, I mean, I don't want to want to go way off out on a loop here, but... That's where the church would say, if you're living divorced and remarriage, if you're living, uh, another example would be like the homosexual lifestyle, if you're publicly living that, uh, or if you're a politician who publicly supports abortion or something like that, something that's very public and visible, uh, and we would call it, uh, um, you know, kind of on the outside, it's, it's very visible. Uh, the church can say, well, you're not in communion with the church because of the way you're living right now. That's different than someone who maybe has sinned and sinned big publicly, but then repents. Like, if I've committed adultery and everybody knows it, and I come to church, like, there can be that sense of, like, oh, I don't belong here because I'm a sinner. But if I'm trying to change my life, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, make it up to my spouse and maybe they're patient with me and they are willing to have me back or whatever. And we, we try to work it out. Like we need to have mercy for that person. We need to help them. Uh, someone who, a priest who leaves the priesthood, like he could, he should still be allowed in church, right? He can still come to mass. He can still re- receive communion as long as he's living in a state of grace and all that. Um, but there can be a lot of shame as, as a priest. Uh, like, I don't, I just don't want to deal with all the stares or the looks or the, awkwardness of like you know so pray for somebody like drew who i don't know what is i don't know where he is or what's going on in his life but that's got to be a challenge you know oh there's the ex-priest you know so or there's there's the person that was married to so-and-so now they're divorced blah 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 like we we can very easily make a person feel unwelcome and that's something we should strive to overcome to really welcome them and be be there and be merciful as the, as the Lord is merciful. So, yeah, yeah, and especially from even from just like the the pews point of view to like mm-hmm. it's it's so easy to like get caught up in the like drama mm-hmm. or the gossip. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. It's just like no, that that's that's not my business. Right. Like that that like try to have the mentality that can be kind of like a hard balance of just like like. I need to like 
love that person and pray for that person without getting into like being available like to like support them but not prying into their yeah not Mm -hmm. not trying to like get information to like tell someone else right right oh let's we got to pray for so-and-so because let me tell you about their life yeah we get into all the the juicy details like that's not helpful like yeah you can just say let's pray for so-and-so Mm-hmm. And you leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and um, yeah, I think reaching out to people who are divorced, reaching out to people who are going through difficult situations, reaching out to uh, someone who maybe has a child and they're not married or whatever, like helping them to know that they are work- welcome, that they are loved, that, they, that we're praying for them and caring for them. That's, that's important. And um, that's something we can do as a community to support one another. I think oftentimes experience of community is I don't want to face my community when I've screwed up publicly because I don't want to deal with all the stares and the awkwardness and the whatever. So to overcome that, we really have to sometimes be the um, the one who crosses that boundary and, and reaches out to them rather than just expecting them to reach out to us because that person is living in a very vulnerable state when something like that happens and they are probably not in a place where they're comfortable reach reaching out to us or speaking to us even because especially if they haven't had like good experiences in the past right right because i I think sometimes the sense is like well i'm a sinner everybody knows what i've done i'm 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 ashamed of it and maybe they don't want to associate with me because they know about me or whatever you know so there's a lot of a lot of obstacles to them feeling welcome and so we need to cross that bridge and say you are welcome here you are we are happy to have you back and we want to help you and yeah we're aware of your sin to whatever to whatever degree but um, we want to help you uh, and help you be restored so yeah it's not an easy thing but it's it's something we're obligated to do as a community of faith is to try to support people in these situations where they are living in an unideal situation, where things have not worked out perfectly in their life, and where there's certain obstacles that have arisen, and how do we help and support those people? I think it's something we have to, it's a case-by-case situation. How, how, how do we best do that? But it's something we definitely need to, to strive for as, as a community of believers. So. Yeah, great. Um. Cool. Well, I don't. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything? Yeah. I guess I just say if anybody's out there listening and has anything in their life that that's kind of like that, where it's like a public thing, whether you feel like it's like a big target on your head that says, "I'm a sinner" or "I've done this" or "I'm not worthy" or whatever, um, know that the church is here for you. Uh, we may not always be very good at expressing like. Fat, the fact that we're here for you or that we want to love you and help you, but that ultimately is is a, the goal of the church and the goal of Christ is to be present to you through the body of Christ to support you. And so I hope you uh, I hope you come and be are, are welcomed. And uh, that's my prayer, my hope for you, um, that you, you can find a place, whether it's our, our own parishes here or other, another parish, that you always have a place that you can come and worship and be, and be uh, reunited to the Lord 
in whatever way you need to be. Yeah, like uh, Pope Francis says, the like a the church should be like a, a field, field hospital, hospital. Mm-hmm. for for sinners. Like I, I was like that, mm-hmm. like yeah. a way of thinking about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. Well, yeah. Thank you, Father, and uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hope you have a, a great rest of your week, and we will catch you again next time.